Welcome to Alpha and Omega Ministries International. This ministry is committed to bringing apostolic alignment and restoration of the values and principles of the Kingdom of God to the body of Christ. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by the Word of God. Today we're going to speak about the subject of spiritual alignment from a biblical perspective. And for you in Somerset West, this is a repetition of the message. And so I trust you will bear with us this morning. I felt that I needed to minister this word to the Gypsum House Church. I don't believe I have preached on this message before. But I will, as we go into it, I trust you will understand the importance and the necessity of being rightly aligned according to the Word of God. The word alignment means adjustment. It means arrangement, the way God arranged each one of us and not only arranged where we belong, how we fit, how we connect with one another. It also means divine order as well as positioning. So when we speak about spiritual alignment, we are speaking about how the Lord has positioned and aligned us with the rest of the body. It's where we fit. It's where we belong. Scripture compares the human body uh, as to Christ's body. Many members, not one member is the same as the other. All have their function. Uh, Nikki, please mute your, mute your computer because your dog is making noise. What? Sorry. <laughs> All right. And, um, and so when we speak about spiritual arrangement, we are speaking about how God has positioned and aligned and connected us with the rest of his body. Now, why am I teaching about this subject this morning? I believe it's to give a clear understanding to every one of us of the value and the importance of being rightly aligned according to the Word of God. In giving this, this lecture this morning or this teaching, I hope that you will be helped to find your rightful place within the body of Christ. Where do I belong? Where do I fit? What am I? A hand, a foot, an eye, a nose. What's my part? And, and, and if you are a member of the body of Christ, you have some significant role and a part to, to play or a specific function. And if you are not exercising your function or your role, then the rest of us are missing out from what you have to offer to the rest of the body. So that's why it's so important that we find our rightful place within the body of Christ and receive the blessing as well as the benefits that flow from being rightly aligned and rightly position. Just imagine if you dislocate one of your bones or your your hand or your foot or somewhere, your whole body is in pain. And today as I look at the body of Christ, there are many believers who are just like disconnected and dislocated bones within the body of Christ. They are confused, they don't know where they belong, they don't know what the gifting is, what their role is in the body of Christ, and they continue searching for some meaning, for some greater purpose in life. And believe me, until you find your place in the body of Christ and know who you are in Christ and what God has called you to do in the Lord, you will never find fulfillment or satisfaction in life. You will constantly be seeking and searching you don't know what you're searching for, but you know that there's something missing in your life. 
you question and say, there must be something more to what I'm experiencing. It's only when you find your place and make that connection with the rest of the body that you you will find the peace of God, meaning in life and purpose. You will get up in the morning and you know, you know who you are, you know what God has called you to do, and you will go about doing it. Amen? Anything more than that is just religion. We're talking about relationships, how we connect with each other, and finding our rightful place in the body of Christ. The Lord Jesus called us to himself, right? But he did not only call us to believe in him, he also called us to belong. So we believe in Christ, but we also belong to the body of Christ. Do you know that if God has called you to be a part of this spiritual family, then you belong not only to Christ, but you belong to everyone who is part of this house church. You have something to contribute. You have your own flavor, your own uniqueness, your own gifting. And when you are not connected or when you are not here, something is missing. Maria was not here yesterday afternoon. She had to work. And we felt her absence. She was missing. Amen? So, finding our place of belonging is one of the greatest discoveries you will ever make and one of the greatest blessings you will ever receive. Next to your being born again. And so, this is what we're going to be talking about. How do I find my place? Where do I fit? Where do I belong? So, we need to understand that God's kingdom is established on eternal principles. These principles do not change with the weather, do not change with the political situation, they do not change for any reason. They are set. They are eternal. And one of those principles is what we're talking about today, spiritual alignment and positioning. It is how we connect with each other and how we relate to those whom God has joined us to. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 18. I want you to find that in your own Bibles. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 18. I'm going to read from the Amplified Translation. This is what it says. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 18. But as it is, God has placed and arranged the limbs and organs in the body each particular one of them, just as he wished, and saw fit and with the best adaptation. Your heart has its rightful place. Your eyes have the rightful place. Your ears are positioned at the rightful place. Imagine if the ear says, no, I don't want to be on the side of my head. I want to be at the bottom of my foot. You have a dysfunctional body. You have a monster. What if your toe decided to say, well, I don't want to be in the shoe and I don't want to be hidden away. I want to be seen because I think I'm so pretty. So I think I belong on the face, not in the shoe. That's monstrosity. You, you understand what I'm getting at? So the Bible says, this verse of scripture tells us that God is the one who places and arranges each one's positioning in his body as he pleases. Not as you please. Not as you choose. As God chooses. Do you know that you have no choice in which spiritual family you are part of or you belong? It amazes me sometimes when people... Christian people, sincere people, even filled with the Holy Spirit, they shop around for churches like they shop around for groceries. Where it's cheaper, where it's more convenient, 
where there's a nice worship, where there's this, where there's that. And they don't even bother to ask the Lord, Lord, where have you positioned me? Where have you ordained me to be part of? Where is my family, Lord? Just as there are natural families, there are also spiritual families. Amen? We have a lot of orphans today running around, not knowing who the father is, who the mother is, who the brothers are, who the sisters are. They're just hanging loose. That is not order. This is not God's kingdom. So this verse of scripture tells us that God is the one who places you and God is the one who arranges your positioning in a particular spiritual family the way it pleases Him. So the first thing you should ask is, Lord, guide me to my family. Guide me to the position and to the place where you have arranged for me to be. Amen? And if you pray that prayer by faith, the Lord will make sure that you are led to the right place. Amen? Now, look at Psalm 68 and verse 6. The New Living Translation says it this way. Psalm 68 and verse 6. God places the lonely in families. Who places them? God does. Not you, not the pastor, not the apostle, not the prophet. God places you in your rightful place and in the right family. And as I said, just as there are natural families, there are spiritual families which we call today, what do we call them? Local churches. Local churches. They are sp The church is a family, folks. We need to see it as such. It's the family of God, in which God places you in for what purpose? For your spiritual growth, for your protection, for your discipling, for your training. You see, He knows what kind of training you need. He knows your destiny more than you do. He knows what it will take for you to be fully equipped, fully trained, fully empowered so that you can fulfill your divine purpose. So he chooses the right family for you so that you can receive what? The right training, the right nourishment, the right word, the right message, the right protection, the encouragement that you require so that you can do the work that God has called you to do. Whether, whether that work is to be a nurse or a doctor or a builder or a businessman or a pastor or a teacher, whatever God has called you to be and to do. Now, not being committed or joined or being part of a spiritual family leaves you completely vulnerable and open to the enemy's attacks from every side because you're not covered. You're not joint. You are on your own. You're isolated. And the devil looks for people who are disconnected, isolated, and by themselves, and he guns for you. And believe me, he will take you out. So it's very dangerous to be without that relational covering that God provides for every spiritual family. In this spiritual family, there is an invisible cloud or an invisible covering over you. Whether you are at home, whether you go out to your work every day, whatever you do, that invisible covering goes with you. Because you are joined, you are connected to the right family, you have found your place, and therefore you are covered and connected. Not being connected, as I said, you are, you are, you become vulnerable and open to the enemy's attacks. And the devil is looking for people who are out of alignment, on their own, without being covered by spiritual oversight. The elders of the church are the covering of a local spiritual family. The parents are the proper spiritual covering of their children. I don't care how old you are. As long as you live 
under your father's and your mother's oversight and roof, you are required to be submissive and obedient to your parents. Anytime, kids, you step out of that covering and you disobey or you rebel, you are saying to the devil, come, I'm open. You may not see it, the devil sees it. Because the way he sees is not the way we see. You open up yourself to spiritual attacks, to emotional attacks, to physical attacks, and you're in trouble. You need to get back into the covering, back under the covering. By being obedient to your parents, submissive, respectful, and honorable. Members of the local spiritual family ought to recognize and honor the spiritual leaders and be submissive to them and obey them. The Word of God says in Hebrews chapter 13, Obey your leaders and submit to their spiritual authority. If you don't, you leave yourself open, uncovered, and vulnerable for the enemy's attack. So many believers don't understand these spiritual principles. But you know, ignorance cannot save you from these attacks. Just because you don't know something, the Bible says that my people perish. Why? Because of a lack of knowledge. What you do not know can hurt you. Knowledge is the most precious commodity on the face of the earth. And most spiritual battles are fought over this one commodity. Spiritual knowledge and spiritual understanding. Because the more knowledge you have, the more powerful you are. Amen? So, ignorance is an enemy. Satan is the author and the father of ignorance. One of my missions is to eliminate spiritual ignorance from the people of God. Amen? That's why it's important for you to be found in the right place. If you're not in the right place, you're not going to hear the right teaching. If you're not going to hear the right teaching, you're going to remain ignorant. And if you're going to remain ignorant, then you will continue going through the cycle of the curse and the cycle of suffering until you learn and understand that knowledge is the key to prosperity and blessing. Amen? So God chooses your placing. God chooses your positioning in the family of His choice. You may not like His choice. But if you submit to the sovereign will of God, the result will be glorious. I remember many years ago, I was still a, a youngster, wet behind my ears. I married my wife, who she comes out of a family, a loving family. And um, and when I came into that family, I came into a home. I came into divine order. And um, my father-in-law was a very strict man. Very good man, but very strict man. And God placed me under his authority. Man, I didn't like it. My flesh was crying. Because he was always correcting me. He was always disciplining me. When God opened my eyes and he showed me who my father-in-law really is, I was humble and I submitted and I respected and obeyed even if my flesh did not like it. You know, the day I submitted was the day that heavens opened over my life. My financial situation blossomed. My inheritance came into my possession. Simply because of one act of submission, of respect and obedience. And I sat down, I recall, when the Holy Spirit gave me this revelation and opened my eyes to see my father-in-law as an instrument of a loving father whom God has placed over my life to correct me, to disciple me, and to shape me according to the way God wanted me to be. I sat down and under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, I wrote him a Beautiful letter. And I said, Dad, I thank God that he brought me to you. I honor you. I respect you. Please forgive me for my rebellious stance against you. Forgive me for not understanding what you were trying to teach me. And I humbled myself. And I said, from this day forward, I will submit to you. I will honor you and I will respect you. Heaven 
open over my life. Submission is the key to your spiritual growth and to your spiritual development in fulfilling your God-given destiny. Many believers are continually living in the desert of drought, spiritual drought. They have emotional problems, they have mental problems, and heaven is shut over their lives because they refuse to submit to the God-given authority. They do not recognize the authority that God has placed over their lives, and as a result, they continue to rebel against the Lord, and in rebelling, they find themselves in all sorts of troubles. Listen good. God is speaking to you today. Whom has God placed over your life? Whom has God given spiritual authority over your soul? The Bible says that the elders of the church, pastors and teachers, are the watchmen over God's people. They watch over your souls. And one day they're going to give account to God for you. Hello? Amen. Let me move on. As I said, you may not like his choice, but if you submit to the will of God, the result will be glorious. The first thing that happened when I submitted, because the Spirit of God doesn't want me to move from here, I'm going to elaborate a little bit. The first thing that happened when I submitted myself to the authority of my father-in-law, he came up to my wife and I, I was, I was an assistant in his shop. I was an employee. He handed us the key of a fully furnished and fully stocked supermarket. He said, here is the key from this day forward. I'm giving you this business. I didn't have any money. I was broke. I had nothing. When I came to Christ, I reached rock bottom. I couldn't even fill my tongue with gas. I was so broke. He gave us the key to this store, to this supermarket, and he said, this is the fixtures, this is the fittings, they come to so much, I know you don't have any money, I don't expect anything from you, but you can give me a small amount every month until you finish paying. That business that God set me up through my father-in-law became the foundation of our financial success and prosperity throughout the years. Two years later, I'm just sharing some of my testimony with you, that when you submit to your spiritual authority, heaven opens over your life. Things began to happen for me. I began to grow spiritually. I began to be blessed financially. Things were going very well. But not until I learned my lesson of submission. Now, he knows, God knows what you need in order to fulfill your God-given purpose in life. And He, God alone knows which family will serve you best in accomplishing your purpose. Not every family is the same. Amen? They have different vision, different missions. This is called placement and spiritual alignment. So next time you hear the word spiritual alignment, you know and understand what we're talking about. Now, alignment, you will see throughout the Bible, is a basic, fundamental principle of the kingdom of God. We see it throughout the scriptures. And I'm going to give you a few examples. We see the mighty men aligning with King David. Those of you who are well-versed in your Bibles, you should know what I'm talking about. But for those who perhaps do not know the story, we're going to read from First Chronicles chapter 12. We're going to read verse 16 through to 18 in the New King James Version. 1 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 16 through to 18. Some of these mighty men that joined David while David was in hiding from King Saul. The Bible says these men were in distress, they were in debt, and they were discontented. In other words, there was a bunch of ragatans, whatever you call them. Michael, what's the right word? <laughs> they were, they were, huh? 
vagabonds. They were in trouble, these people. They were in distress. I call them the three Ds. In distress, in debt, and discontented. And they came to David. And I'm reading from verse 16. Then some of the sons of Benjamin and Judah came to David at the stronghold. And David went out to meet them and answered and said to them, If you have come peaceably to me to help me, my heart will be united with you. But if to betray me to my enemies, since there is no wrong in my hands, may the God of our fathers look and bring judgment. Then the Spirit came upon Amasai, chief of the captains, and he said, We are yours, O David. We are on your side, O son of Jesse. Peace, peace to you, and peace to your helpers, for your God helps you. Then David received them and made them captains of the troop. These are the 400 men. These are some of the captains that came to him and aligned themselves with David. These 400 who first came to David in the cave of Adullam, the Bible says they were in trouble. But in the process of time, as they walked with David, who was the anointed of God, their lives were restored. They were no more in debt. They were no more in discontent. They were no more um, uh, in distress. They were restored. And they became mighty warriors. Now, that's one place where we see the principle of alignment. We also see Joshua aligned himself with who? Who? Who, who did Joshua align himself to? Moses. Moses became his father figure. He became his spiritual authority. Joshua looked up to him. He submitted to his authority. He learned from him. He served Moses with all of his heart. And when Moses died, Joshua stepped into the shoes of Moses. He became the leader of the nation. And as you know, he did what? He led the people of Israel into their promised land. But he received the right training. He received the right teaching. He received the right um, uh, schooling, if I could put it that way. Where did he get it from? We, huh? Who discipled him? Moses did. Moses was his mentor. Moses was like his spiritual father. And he trained him. And he discipled him. And he invested into him. And at the right time, the Bible says he laid his hand on Joshua. And the wisdom that was upon Moses came into Joshua. That's alignment. That's positioning. He positioned himself. Where? Under who? Moses. The word submission in the Greek comes from two words. Ipo, under. Tasome, arranged. I place and I arrange myself underneath another. That's the meaning of the word submission. So Joshua aligned himself to Moses. He submitted himself to his authority, and was discipled and trained by Moses. That's why he became the great leader that he was. Amen? We see another story, another picture. I'm giving you pictures from the Bible concerning the spiritual principle of alignment. We see Elisha aligned himself with who? Elijah. Not for what Elisha would receive from Elijah, but how he could serve Elijah. Do you know that most people I know, when they join a church, they are joining the church with the mindset of, what can they do for me? What can these church do for me? But in the kingdom of God is the opposite. What can I give to this family that I belong to? And it is in giving... That you receive. It is in dying to your will and your dreams that you live under God's dreams. You don't join a church for what you get out of it. If you come with that attitude, when you don't get it, you're going to be disappointed. 
Am I right? You don't get married for what you can get out of the marriage. If you do, you're certainly going to be in trouble. But what can you give? And in giving, you receive. In dying, you live. That's how the kingdom of God works. So, when Elisha joined Elijah, he wasn't looking for something. He, he wanted to serve because he saw that upon this man was the power of God. It was the anointing of God and I'm going to get underneath him because I want what he has. I'm hungry for what he's got. And the way to get and to receive what a man of God has is to get underneath and minister and serve and give and honor. And as you do, what's on him comes on you. Do you see that? That's God's pattern and that's God's principle. That's how things work in the kingdom. And so, Elisha followed Elijah from city to city. Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, man. I'm going down to Jericho. I don't need you. And he wouldn't, he wouldn't, he wouldn't listen. He said, no, where you go, I go. I'm going with you. You go to Timbuktu, I'm coming with you. You go to Gypsum, Michael says, I'm coming with you. You go to Cyprus, I'm coming with you. Don't leave me here. <laughs> Elijah said, I don't want to be, I don't, I want to be with you. I want to be where you are. He was hungry. What was he hungry for? For that double portion of the anointing and the power of God. So from city to city, Elisha followed Elijah. They became inseparable. You couldn't separate them. You know what it took to separate them? A fiery chariot from heaven and took Elijah and separated him from Elisha. And when Elisha saw him going up, you know what he cried? He didn't say, oh, my teacher, my teacher. He never said, my prophet, my prophet. You know what came out of his mouth? Come on, who's reading your Bible? No, no. No, he said, my father, my father. Elijah became a father to Elisha. And as a faithful son, Elisha received a double portion of the anointing and the power and the wisdom that Elijah had on his life. In fact, scripture, if you read the story of Elijah and Elisha, Elijah did seven noted miracles. Elisha did exactly the double amount, 14 noted miracles. He received a double portion. How did he receive it? By submitting, by serving, by honoring, by respecting his spiritual authority. Most people in the church do not understand that. That's why they're born again, they're filled with the Spirit, they've been Christians for years, but their lives is a mess, sorry to say. Because they don't understand the principles of the kingdom. Amen? I trust you're learning something here that you will put and practice in your life. Amen? The disciples aligned with whom? Jesus. They were committed to him. Yesterday we spoke about commitment. Amen. Jake, commitment. What did I say I require from those whom God has given me to disciple? What are the three things that I require of you? Number one, commitment. Number two, no, I'm looking for the right word. Let's see, who, who was listening yesterday? Commitment, loyalty, what was the third one? <laughs> okay, let's go on. <laughs> they were committed to Jesus, they were taught, they were trained by Him, and at the end of the training period, what did Jesus do? 
he commissioned them. Go into all the world. Preach the gospel to every creature. Whosoever believes shall be saved. Lay hands on the sick. They will recover. Amen? There is a training period for each and every one of us. You know, I was so zealous for the Lord when I got born again. I was like a horse in a cage. I wanted to, <laughs> I wanted to run out of the stall before my time. And God says, you're not ready. You're going to make a mess. He kept me seven years in the desert training me, teaching me, discipling me, learning the word of God over and over again, studied for hours on end. Listen to men of God that the Spirit of God led me to plugged into their anointing and I began to wash my mind and my spirit and I filled my heart with the word. And after seven years, God says, now you're ready. My pastor and I prayed and fasted for three days. No food, no water. He laid his hands on me and he said, now go. And I've been going ever since. And I am not stopping until I go home to be with the Lord. Proper training is everything. If you don't get proper training, you're not going to finish your task. In fact, you're going to leave it half. Amen? Amen? There is training for every one of you. And so don't be in a hurry and want to run out there. You go when your spiritual authority sends you out. Don't just take off. You take off, you're on your own. But when you are sent, the one who sends you goes with you. And the authority goes with you. And the blessing goes with you. And the protection goes with you. And the provision goes with you. Amen? Need to understand that. It's very, very important. Now, at the end of the training period, Jesus called them to himself, gave them the commission, and released them. Timothy aligned with Paul. You remember that? Paul calls him his beloved and faithful son. Imagine how faithful and how um, precious was Timothy to Paul. They had this beautiful relationship that we call today father and son. Listen to what Paul says concerning his spiritual son Timothy. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 17. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 17. For this reason, he says, I have sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and my faithful son in the Lord, who will remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach everywhere in every church. Whenever there was a problem in the churches, Paul sent his son. Because Timothy would represent Paul. He would not represent himself. He would represent the one who sent him. He was a faithful son. He was an obedient son. And he call, he's very proud of him. He says, I'm going to send you Timothy. When you see Timothy, you see me. And I've witnessed that with the relationship that I have with Michael. And other spiritual sons. When I send him, you'll see me in him. He's not me. But he carries my spiritual DNA. He carries the same anointing. He carries the same values. He carries the same heart. He carries the same teaching. Why? Because he placed himself and submitted himself to his spiritual authority. That's the secret. Amen? Let me say, let me say this for those of you who have not heard this before. A spiritual father must possess Three things. Number one, he must have insight into your true nature and into your true calling in God. He must see you as God sees you. Your gifting, your qualities, your strengths, and he must understand your spiritual makeup. That's important. That's what a spiritual father has been given by God insight into you. Not not who you look like in the flesh, who you look like in the spirit. 
He understands your makeup. He understands your calling and your true nature in Christ. Number two, he must possess foresight. Insight and foresight. What is foresight? Meaning that he has a clear view of your future and he carries the wisdom of God to help you get from point A to point B. He looks out there and he sees, sure, there's a prophet in Heather. There's a prophetic gifting in Josh. There is an evangelist within Jake and Maria. There is a pastor within Antoinette and Johann. I look at Elise. What do I see? I see Jesus the servant. What's that? He has foresight. He knows your destiny. And listen to this. He carries the keys that unlocks your spiritual destiny. Do you see how important it is? It is like a natural father who watches his son or his daughter growing. He understands the makeup. He knows them intimately and often knows what they are called to do. And the father helps to train and disciple them in order for them to fulfill the God-given purpose. Do you see how precious that is? And the third thing he has is oversight. But before we get to the oversight, I want to give you an example. When Jesus looked at Peter, what did he say to him? What did he see? He said, you are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall no longer be called Cephas, but Peter. Peter is a stone. What did, what did Jesus see? He saw his true spiritual makeup. And he called him who he was destined to be. That's insight. And that's foresight. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him. What did he see in Nathanael? He looked at him in the eyes and he said, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit, no guile. Man of integrity. That's insight. That's foresight. And a spiritual father exercises oversight over you. He serves as your spiritual supervisor and watches over your soul. You need that in order to complete your assignment in training. Now, what does this all mean? What does it mean to align with someone? We're going to look at that now. When you align with someone, you enter into a committed relationship. That means you link yourself to them, you learn from them, and make yourself accountable to them. The result is the anointing that is on their lives flows down to you. And the results, the same anointing produces in you what produced in them. That's why you should study who you align yourself to. Look at his family. Look at his children. Look at his finances. Look at the blessing in his life. Amen? Are you listening to me? Because that same blessing is going to come on you. If your children are out of order, in the process of time, they're going to shape up. Trust me, it may take a year, it may take two years, it may take five years, but as you continue to hook up with the person whom God aligned you to, those children, sooner or later, they're going to come under that anointing, and that anointing is going to work in their lives, change them, reshape them, reform them, transform them, and make them what God has called them to be. If your finances are out of order, you stick with the person God has called you. You listen to the teachings. You obey. You submit. In the process of time, that same blessing that is upon the man of God is going to come upon you. And if your finances are out of order, they come into order. What a blessing. But not overnight. 
It's a walk. Amen? In the process of time. The blessing of provision, the blessing of protection, the blessing of fruitfulness is always found, remember this, is always found in the place you are supposed to be. And let me say this, greatness has nothing to do with who you are, but where you're supposed to be, doing what you're supposed to be doing. That's greatness in the eyes of God. That's success in the eyes of God. You may amass millions, but if you're not in the place where God has placed you, you are the most miserable and the most wretched and the most poor person. Because in the light of eternity, that counts for nothing. It's, it's where God places you and what God appointed you to do, being where you're supposed to be, doing what you're supposed to do, that's great success in the eyes of God. Amen? So, it is being positioned and aligned with those whom God placed you with. And yesterday afternoon we took, we, we, we spoke about Ruth and Naomi. Remember the words that Ruth said to Naomi? When Naomi said, now leave me alone, I have nothing to offer you, stop following me. I've got enough troubles of my own, I don't need any more, I've lost my sons, I've lost my husband, please go back to your people. You know, I've, I've realized one thing. If you call to walk with a man, even if that man kicks you on your backside, you're still not going to leave. That's Michael, I kicked him on his backside several times. You still hang around. When he corrects you, you won't be offended. You will love him all the more. Because God ordained your joining. So Ruth said to Naomi, Entreat me not to leave you. Stop trying to send me away. I'm going to stick with you. Or to turn back from following you. Because wherever you go, she said to her, I will go. Whether it's convenient or inconvenient. Where, whether, whether you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. Your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. And the Lord do so to me. And more also, if anything, but death parts you and me. That's covenant. That very few people understand and practice. Amen. You will only recognize your true uh, influences or people who love you during the difficult times. When a church is starting, start shaking for one reason or another, you will see who stands with you and who's not with you. Amen? We have this mentality today, I will stay if it's comfortable, I will serve, what's in it for me? No, that's not covenant. Covenant says I'm going to stick with you in summer, in winter, in cold, in heat, in good times, in bad times, I am with you. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. That's covenant relationships. And that's loyalty and commitment. Now, being aligned and positioned with the wrong people can also be detrimental. We won't go into it. But Christianity is very simple. All you need to know are three things. Number one, whose you are. Number two, who you are called. What you are called to do. And number three, who you're called to do it with. And finally, I know we're taking more time than usual, but I'm being thorough about these principles because they're so vitally important for us to know and understand. And I'm glad today that we have some young folks who are listening to these teachings. It will help you. Maybe you won't understand it now, but later on you will. You'll get it. Whose you are, what you are called to do in life, and who you are called to do it with. Now, finding your spiritual family, or finding your place, is not so much a geographical location, but a spiritual habitation. I want to say that. I want you to get it. Finding your place or your spiritual family is not so much a geographical location. It's not down the road there. It's not a physical thing. 
It is a spiritual habitation. It is a spiritual dwelling place prepared just for you. This place is called family. Just as it is in the natural, so it is in the spiritual. When you find your place, there is an... Ah, I belong here. And we're going to talk about that. So God has established for each one of his children a good place to live and a good place to abide in. It is a place of belonging. It is also a place of protection and covering. Psalm 16, verse 5 and 6, speaks about this place. And he says, the psalmist says, Psalm 16, verse 5 and 6, O Lord, you are the portion of my inheritance and my cup. You maintain my lot. The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Yes, I have a good inheritance. Because that is where your inheritance is. Your spirit, just, just like there is a natural inheritance for your children, there is also a spiritual inheritance for spiritual children. Do you know what that inheritance is? The promises that God has given me over a period of 40 years, exceeding great and precious promises, belong to you. That's your inheritance. The anointing that God has blessed me with and the wisdom that God has given me belongs to you. It's your inheritance. But you've got to claim it by faith. It won't fall off on you like ripe cherries off of a tree. You're going to have to believe God for it. Amen? You need to say, Pastor, what did God promise you? Well, how are you going to claim it if you don't know? One day I think I'm going to do a recording of this, Michael, and speak about the promises that God has given me 40 years ago. I see some of them being fulfilled today. They belong to you. That's your inheritance. If you're part of my spiritual family. Now, this place is also a place of instruction, your family, and it is a place of training. It is a place where you receive revelation knowledge. It is a place where you come and receive encouragement and support. It is a place in which you can grow and develop and exercise your spiritual gifts without fear, without intimidation, without being afraid of being judged or misunderstood. We should, we should be able to find those things in our spiritual family. I know it's easier said than done. The family usually has a name. It also has a God-given purpose given to that family from God himself. A mission. It's what we call a mission statement. And it has a specific mandate to accomplish. Now, this God-given mandate that gives to a particular family is much greater than any one person to fulfill it. It's too big. That's why God brings children. That's why God brings members. Call them whatever you will. So that in, 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 they support and become active in participating to fulfill the family's mission. Do you know what the family's vision is? To extend and establish the teaching and the influence of God's kingdom in this valley. And by doing that, we glorify the name of the Lord. Now, it's too big for one person to fulfill. It's too big for me to do it. So what does God do? He brings me a family. And together, you join your faith to mine, I join my faith to yours. The Bible says one will chase a thousand, but two will chase how many? Ten thousand. So there is strength in numbers, but not just numbers, quality numbers, committed numbers. So, It'll take the support and the active participation of every member of the family to fulfill. Now, the family God has given me is called what? What is my family's name? Anybody know? It's called... It's called Alpha and Omega. 
Can you say that word omega, not omega? Alpha and omega. That is the name of my spiritual family. I'm surprised you didn't know that. Okay. <laughs> now you know. <laughs> when God has given me a commission, He didn't say go start a church. He said go raise a spiritual family. But He tested me first in raising a natural family. Listen to what I'm saying. He proved me first in raising my own spiritual family. And because I was found faithful in raising my natural family, God says, I'm going to give you a greater assignment. Now I want you to raise a spiritual family. Amen? Because if I can't raise a natural family, how am I going to raise a spiritual family? The Bible says, if a man does not know how to rule in his own house, how can he be an elder? In the house of God. Hallelujah. That's the truth folks. Amen. <laughs> God help us. <laughs> Amen. God help all of us. Now the question is. How can I know God led me to the right place? What are the signs? What are the indications? You want to know? You want to know what those signs are? Anybody? Don't go, don't go to sleep on me Jake. Are you there? Prayer and fasting. <laughs> Number one. One of the things you will experience is, you will experience the peace of God and the Holy Spirit will bear witness with your spirit that you are in the place God has prepared for you. You will have peace. I have peace here. This is where I belong. That's my family. The same Spirit that led you to Christ is the same Holy Spirit that will lead you to your right place. So you listen. What do you listen to? To that inward voice. To that inward witness. Number two. You will experience a sense of belonging and discover in the process of time that your spirit is being fed, nourished, nurtured, with the word that proceeds from the pulpit or from the man of God whom God has called to feed you. You will find that you will walk out of this place and say, Phew, that really touched my heart today. God spoke to me. I was challenged, but most of all I was encouraged and I felt that the Spirit of God was speaking directly to me. These are evidence that you are in the right house. Now, you will also, this is another thing, you will experience a desire from within, a desire to engage in the life of the family in order to support, in order to assist in fulfilling the mandate that God has given to the house. You will, you will pay your tithes with joy. Not, oh, not again, he wants my money. You, you become active participant. Not a consumer, but a contributor. You will want to engage in the life of the family. Someone is sick, immediately you respond. You call, you visit, you pray, you encourage. That You have that because you feel, this is my family here. I've got to take care of them. I've got to help them and encourage them. That doesn't mean you're not going to offend and you're not going to say the wrong thing sometimes. We'll, we'll come to that. But you will have that desire to become active, participate in the life of the family. And sometimes you will walk out of the service and realize you, you're challenged and you've been convicted and you need to do some repenting. Anyway, you will become a blessing to the family through your gifts, through your talents, through your resources. Amen? That you are, you are part of the life of the family. Just like every family has chores and responsibilities. I, I watched Josh and Heather's children uh, yesterday. I went there for lunch. And I saw the little ones 
climbing up, getting the plates, setting the plates, setting the forks and the knives, and everyone was running around all over the house trying to set the table. What a, what a joy to see that. They have chores. Amen? You have chores in this house. What's your chores? You have a gift of encouragement? Use it. You have a heart of generosity? Contribute. You have a prophetic gift? Use it. Amen? You have a heart of mercy? Exercise it. Become part of it. So that you can feel, hey, I'm not just a, a sitting number here. I'm, I, I'm a contributor to this place. Oh, there's not enough love in this house, Pastor. Well, give some. Put some in there. There's not enough prayer in this fellowship. Well, put some in there. Amen? I usually find what frustrates you in any place is what God has called you to solve. Amen? You know, I'm a person who likes order. I walk into a place and I like order. If I don't see order, I get upset, I get frustrated. I know God has called me to put order in that place. Hello? It's no good saying, well, there's not enough love in this place. Do something about it. There's not enough encouragement in Do something about it. I mean, the pastor's not going to do everything. No one person can do any, everything. Amen? So you, in other words, you will become a blessing to your family through what God has given you and gifted you with. And you will take it out and use it and exercise it. If you're an encourager, you will look for someone in the fellowship to encourage because they need encouragement. Now, let me say this. Just because you are in the right place does not mean that you will not experience opposition or affliction in that place. You're going to get hurt. The devil will see to it that you will experience opposition. You will have an opportunity to be offended. You will be tempted to be offended to leave the house. Why? God will allow that to test your commitment to the family. Why do I say that? Just because you're in the right place, the devil is not going to play dead, fold his hands and leave you alone. His assignment is to move you out of alignment, push you out of your place. How does he do that? He does it through our carnality sometimes. We say the wrong thing, we do the wrong thing, we step on somebody's toe, we are unkind, we are, we get, I don't know, upset with someone or we say the wrong thing and we hurt people. What are those things? That's the strategy of the enemy to do what? To uproot you. I'm out of here. I'll not put up with this anymore. Rather than saying, Lord, I know you called me to this house. And come what may, I'm going to resist the temptation to become offended. I'm going to resist the temptation. I'm going to pray. I'm going to stay. And I'm going to stay put because you put me here. And if you put me here, no one can remove me. Amen? So expect opposition. Expect pushing. The devil will see to it. But I'm warning you, guard your relationships. Protect your relationships. Because your relationships are very precious to God and very precious should be to us. And the relationships, as I said yesterday, are the foundation upon which Christ builds his church. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Jesus can do nothing. That's why you see churches splitting up. You see churches stagnate. They don't grow. The people are not receiving good teaching, revelation. Why? Because there is strife. There is division. There is envy. There is backbiting. There is gossip. Guard your mouth. This thing here can cause a lot of damage. So I'm warning you. Please be kind to one another and tender-hearted. Amen? The devil hates and primarily attacks godly relationships that are destined to go places. He will target those relationships in your life that are brought together by God. He will try to remove you from the people you are who are destined to equip you and to bless you. And God will allow that because he will test your commitment to the house. And anything that's not being tested is not worth having. The Bible says even our faith is tested by fire to be proven genuine and sincere. Amen? 
So, coming to the close, one thing is required for you to give to the family God is joining you to, if you desire to reap a bountiful harvest of blessing, and that is love. Just love. Love the people God has joined you to, and seek for ways to express that love in a practical way. I believe the love of God in you for your spiritual family, first of all, will find expression in prayer. That means you will often pray for the members of the family and the various needs by name. God's love in you will find expression in generosity, in giving, in mercy, in forgiving one another, in being tolerant and patient, even with the weakest members of the family. You will love them and pray for them. The love of God in you will inspire you to actively participate, as we said, in the affairs and the commission of this family. That spiritual alignment. Have you found your rightful place? Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources and more information about this ministry, come and visit us at www.alphaomegaint.org.za.